Hey guys, we're switching it up this week. We have been moving on up out of the apartment and are recording in this incredible space, 236 Fifth Avenue, which you too can lease if you want. Nice plug, Brett. Mm-hmm. We are so excited to be here with Samantha Bush, star of CMT's Racing Wives, mother, wife, lifestyle blogging entrepreneur, and co-owner of Kyle Bush's Motorsports. In addition to the show, Samantha is also an IVF advocate, creating the Bundle of Joy Foundation, which has provided 37 couples struggling with infertility with more than $500,000 in grants to bring their own babies into the world. I'm cheering. So incredible, <laughs> I know. And she is a true boss who is also, you've started your online boutique shop, Murph, that offers a collection of styles, sizes, and price points for every woman so that everyone can feel their most confident self. Samantha, welcome to Be My Neighbor. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here. We are too. We've been watching some of the show highlights and <laughs> it looks juicy. <laughs> yeah, It's going to be pretty good. I'm excited. Um, you know, it was supposed to air back in January, but they thought that maybe summer would be a better time for it. And I completely agree. So I'm excited for everybody to get to check it out. I'm real. We cannot wait to have you here first yeah. to talk about it. So you graduated from Purdue, yes, right? And is that where you got your master's as well? I got my master's online because I was already met and was engaged to my husband and traveling around the country 38 weeks a year. And so your master's is in industrial organizational psychology. Yes. Alexa, <laughs> what does that mean? So it's kind of more of like a business psych. So what I do is I do the hiring at Kyle Busch Motorsports for what we like to call the upstairs. So our PR, social media assistants, teams like that. And what I kind of do is obviously try to make sure that, you know, they're a right fit for the job. But then with the IO background, I work on making sure that it's a good team and person-person fit. So that was where my background was. So I was actually super excited to get to use that. Um, not many people know about that. You know, so. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Maybe that's really yeah. cool. And what you do. I told you, she's yeah. a boss. <laughs> so I get to do that and it's really fun. And then I took over part of the race shop last year upstairs. And that's my kind of Murph boutique warehouse area. We're all online, but you know, I kind of shoved some car parts out of the way, built a <laughs> big wall and now I have my own space. Wait, that is in the race shop? Yes, you can't see it. So it's the mezzanine area where they used to keep parts and everything. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to need this area. So we kind of cleared it out and yeah, now I have clothes there. And I'll tell you what, the drivers, the boys, they love when I have my models there. So it was kind I'm of sure a they do. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're happy about it. You're like, I bet that was smart. a hard sell. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's amazing. So, let me tell you, when I need help on those days that it's during a model shoot, everybody's willing. <laughs> to help me yep, they're, they're there. all knocking Wait, on the do door you need help carrying that box or that moving that clothing rack I'm like no boys we're good we're good <laughs> keep it moving so you got your degree you become the co-owner of the Kyle Busch Motorsports and then you and Kyle get married you're living what appears to be this perfect dream life from the outside in I think what a lot of people dream of and then you decide I want to create a family yeah, we had been married for a few years and things were going great. We had time to, you know, just spend by ourselves and travel. And then all of our friends started having kids and we're like, okay, like we're, we're ready to get on that boat. And so at first it was really fun. We, you know, started trying, you know, got birth control after being on it for forever. Um, for right. Right. And um, it was a lot of fun in high school. Um, so. We love you. See, we knew this was going to be a perfect match. So I was like so excited and the first few months go by and it was great. And then, you know, it wasn't happening and everybody else was getting pregnant. And so 
I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go and get all those apps on my phone and I'm going to get those kits from the store and that still wasn't working. And so then at one point um, I said, we're going to have sex every single day until we become pregnant. And so we tried that for a while until my husband basically tapped out. He was like, I'm done. There's (laughs) nothing left in here. Like it's not working. Um, and so, you know, we had been going to the OB, uh, OBGYN by then. And so finally, after a good year, because that's their favorite rule, you have to wait a year, even though it's mm-hmm. BS, finally got diagnosed with PCOS. They finally did blood work and did an ultrasound and found that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. So then they put me on Clomid, which made me insane. Um, we were going to ask about the hormones, like all the different things that you went through. Was it, it was crazy? bad. Yeah. It was really bad. I like to tell this story. There's only been one time in our marriage that I've said, like, we're getting a divorce, and it was on Clomid. <laughs> we were watching the Titanic, which, first of all, I was already very depressed and kind of sheltering myself from people, so I don't know why I chose the Titanic. Because we are self-sabotaging women. That's yes. what we do. Yes, and so we were watching it, and it's towards the end, like, the boat's going down, and... The old people are in bed, like, holding each other and, you know, all that stuff. And I am just bawling. And Kyle's sitting there, and he's just watching the movie. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you crying? And he's like, well, I mean, I know the boat sinks. And I'm like, it's about so much more than the boat. Like, Jack and Rose are soulmates, and they finally found each other, and now they're going to die. And, like, I don't even think I could be married to you. Like, do you not see the bigger picture? And he was like, well, I mean, it's fake. Like, Jack and Rose weren't on the boat. And that I was. You lost it over the deep end and I was like we are done I can't have you father my children because clearly you don't know what love is like it was really like Clomid made me in the insane it's the Clomid for what what is that for is that so for basically your it was um it was supposed to stimulate my ovaries so when you have PCOS um a healthy woman her ovaries will develop like two or three follicles and one will emerge as the mature egg and then it either becomes fertilized or you get your period right Um, Me, I have a whole bunch of little ones that pop up, and they don't do anything worth a damn. So They don't latch. No, they don't even get big enough to be a mature egg. Um, And so what these drugs do is it's supposed to help so that one can become fully mature, and it would potentially be fertilized. But that was not the case because, again, I'm a very big advocate of if you can, when you start trying, the woman needs to be tested, blood, ultrasound, and a man has to have a sperm sample. Mm-hmm. And because we didn't have that second part, we were doing all these things. And lo and behold, found out my husband had like little to no sperm. So, yeah. So it was like the perfect combination for it to not. Yeah. Just not working. It just really wasn't going to happen. But, you know, once we went to a fertility clinic, um, one important thing that I learned is they tell couples, wait a year, right? Yeah. First of all, you don't need a referral to go to a fertility clinic, which I did not know. Second of all, I was told by a doctor once at a uh, fertility specialist that month zero to six, like you should try before, you know, getting help or whatever it is. But month six through 12, only 10% of couples who haven't got pregnant are going to get pregnant. So like the other 90% aren't. This is what I was told. Um, So it's kind of just a waste of six months. And when you are trying, like that seems like eternity years yeah Yeah. and were you on Clomid that entire I was only on Clomid for four months before Kyle himself called the doctor and said check him out no no he was like my wife is insane this isn't working we're still not pregnant is there anything else we can try so then that's when we finally went to the fertility clinic and got all the answers that we needed and then that's when you knew and what month was this at like 
this was well over a year. This is like to a year and a half, almost two years. Did they ever tell you, you know, this is not a possibility? No, when we sat down at the fertility clinic, it was such a relief. So we went to Reach in Charlotte, and basically they were like, hey, we got your test back. You have PCOS, which you knew, um, but your husband doesn't really have a lot of sperm, mm-hmm. so IUI isn't an option. IVF is your only option. And for us, we finally felt like we had something to do, yeah. right? You know? Felt like there's a solution. I'm sure that's yes. probably the most frustrating part is sitting back and feeling helpless. Oh, yeah. All those months we tried, quote unquote, naturally. I mean, I had every diagram pulled up, yeah. ate all the weird foods, like you name it, we tried it. God bless. So, then, then what happens when they say we can help you? This is when you start taking the shots. And yes. can you kind of explain these to me? I've watched all your videos, and I love that you guys are so open and honest about it. But for those who haven't seen it. Yeah, so we decided um, while we were going through it, I was like, you know, we should probably document this in case we ever want to do anything with it. I had had a blog for years already, but we were unsure of how much we were going to share. And so we just filmed it to be safe and the first night um, which you could see in the video I was a hysterical mess so that was to get my ovaries ready for egg retrieval so that was a number of shots um, most of them are injected into your stomach up to four a night and then um, towards the end you get also one in your butt so now now I mean you don't look forward to them um, some nights hurt more than others some shots hurt more than others but let me tell you, since we went through round two, like they have lidocaine patches and stuff now. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got fancy since <laughs> trying the first time. You're majorly educating us, by the way. <laughs> oh, We've been talking about this for a while because egg retrieval, what we're going to do, we're both in our 30s, so we're trying to just figure it all out. So it's so helpful for you to break it down in the whole process. Oh, well, good. So, yeah, you go in and they stimulate your ovaries. You go through egg retrieval, um, which they go in. They put you out for egg retrieval, and then they go in and they basically, like, suck out your eggs. Um, well, we had 34, which is, like, a huge well, number. That's yeah. big, right? Well, because I have PCOS, too. So once they get the right combination of medicines, you know, all the eggs started maturing. But then they go through, and we did what's called ICSI. And so since my husband had a low sperm count, they basically take a sample, which – I'm going to interject and tell a funny story. Um, yeah. So obviously had to give a sample and I was like, well, you can't look at porn because that's our baby sperm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what are I, you going to do? I got a whole collection of like pictures of me. Yes. yes. And I was like, literally like it's, if you look at anybody else, it's going to be cheating in my head for our baby sperm. So I totally understand that on, I like, yeah. I really understand that. Uh, thank you. And so I literally had to arm him with like a bunch of, booby pictures and it. stuff because I was like you're a good woman that's, that's my baby so yeah. I need to think about the idea of your son being conceived from those thank sperm you. I would need it to be in me those rooms. too thank you in those rooms that yeah. is my point point. Yeah. and so again I'm a little crazy if you can't tell no. by half these stories first of all my husband said the thing about you know the Titanic on a ra- I, I said something like that on a random Tuesday and we got in a two day fight so the fact that you were actually on medication and, I and heard that it, was your version of crazy <laughs> You're okay. You're okay. Yeah. When you were taking the shots, did that affect your hormones and your mood? And Yeah. Um, some of it does. So like this last round, when you're getting ready to do um, the embryo transfer, they put you on Lupron. And it made me um, antsy. Mm. You know, I felt like I had a lot of pent-up energy. So I, it was great because I worked out, you know, a lot. and um, But I'd get kind of angry for no yeah. reason or just 
overly angry about stuff like traffic that shouldn't have been is that big Is it similar to like being on a steroid? Have you ever taken a steroid for a it cough where you feel kind of like your skin, like yeah, you're crawling like out of your skin? Yes, a little bit. And yeah. you know, different drugs do different things. But to back up, so after you get the sperm sample, then ICSI is where they actually physically put the sperm into the egg, which is great for people that have lower quality sperm or whatever, because then you don't have to take a chance of it. So then from there, the fertilized embryos, we had 16, and then it went down to 11, and then 11 got sent off for genetic testing, and eight of them basically passed. So then we were left with eight healthy embryos. So Amazing. that's kind of how the process works. Wow. And is that a high number? That is a high yeah. number. Yeah. That seems yeah. like it might be. Yeah. That's really good. What's an average? like? I don't know statistically what okay. the average is, but talking to a lot of people, like a lot of people have three um, healthy embryos, you know, somewhere around there. So we felt very blessed and very fortunate to have that many embryos. That's so, huge. Well, yeah. we always admire the fact that you have been putting it out there. Like it's not just for you, but it's also for us. It feels like it's for us. It yeah. doesn't feel self-serving. That's why we did it. So at first, once we were pregnant, um, I was like, okay, let's just kind of share our story. And that's where we put everything on the blog. Um, and then from there, we're both religious, and that's kind of, you know, the whole time we're like, why me, why me? And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to do this to help other women. So I put it on the blog. But then there was still like, mm, no, something's missing. So that's when we started the Bundle of Joy Fund, and that's how that came to be. And so what I realized is after you get the information of, hey, you can't have kids on your own, this is all the procedure you have to do, all the shots, all the – you know, surgeries, embryo transfer, that, then they hand you a packet, and it's your bill, essentially. Mm. And it's upwards of $20,000. Yeah. And insurance hardly touches it. You know, maybe some of your medications. And so we, my husband and I, knew that we went through this for a greater purpose. And so that's when we started the Bundle of Joy Fund. And, yeah, we have 16 babies born and seven more this year coming. It's incredible. Wow. That yeah. is amazing. Super excited. And you've helped all of these couples go through the whole process. Like, walk us through the application, like how people can get involved. So the application right now, we're just through the REACH Clinic in Charlotte. Okay. And they fill out an application, and they give us everything from – finances to their jobs how long they've been married and then they write a big essay and so kyle and i i read all of them and then usually so if we have we can help around five to seven couples each round i can usually limit it down to about 12 couples and then from there i hand off to kyle and he's much more practical and realistic and so he's able to cut it down to what we need i wish we could do all of them yes of course course. talking about kyle too like does he have any, you know, being so open and putting yourself out there? I know you guys both decided, like, we're going to do this. Is there ever any, like, honey, maybe this is a little <laughs> too much. I'm sticking with you with the shot right now. Like, maybe we turn this off. Or you're crying. Or does he ever say, like... He's a really, really good sport, which is another reason why I felt like God had us go through this, because I'm an open book, and he luckily goes along with my craziness a lot. The only one time he got a little bit maybe spun out is the right word is we were on pit road, and he was getting ready to race, and this guy comes up to him. He goes, dude, I don't have any sperm either, man. Mine suck. <laughs> and I was like, during the oh, wow. um, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, I I didn't know what to say. Like, I didn't know what to do. He's like, uh. Could we maybe talk about this at a later yeah, time? Like, Schedule a time to talk. He's like, I just didn't know the appropriate response <laughs> to that. And I was like, no, he just wanted to, like, let you know you're not alone. And it was, like, a connection thing. And he's like, should I have high-fived him? Like, what, did, what was I supposed to do? I'm like, 
here, just be there. Like, you're pros. And he's like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> you're like, just just give him a high five yeah, and, and then let it go. Go with it. So but you guys seem like an incredible team. Oh, well, thanks. Like, the fact that you became co-owner immediately of Kyle Busch Motorsports says a lot about the, the direction you guys were going as a couple and the marriage that you were both expecting. Yeah, we're definitely both, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, it's not all Instagram. It's, um... You know, we fight. We have our challenges. Parenting, obviously, traveling, stress. There's always, you know, as much as glamorous as it might look, there's definitely the behind the scenes of real life and real couple struggles. But we definitely try to be there for each other. And I think when you travel as a small family 38 weeks out of the year, you know, you're away from family. You're away from friends. A lot of times it's just us. And so, you know, we have always been there for each other. Kyle's always been an awesome husband in that he knew right off the bat, I had goals, I had dreams, like, I love him, I support him, I go on the road 38 weeks out of the year, but I wasn't content not, you know, doing stuff for myself, too, and so from letting me, you know, do the hiring for the upstairs, and starting a store, and, you know, really being behind me in all of it, it's been great, and I think because of it, we have a better balance and, like, respect for each other. Is there something you would say you could attribute your ability to communicate so well or is there something you guys practice is there a tip that, like <laughs> well, let's see I'm, well, I'm fight, asking for a friend aka for I'm me Italian and <laughs> Kyle shuts down so um let's see I'm Italian too I yeah. already yeah oh and if they, if they don't fight back it makes it worse oh. yes agree oh. or if they try to use a calm tone during a fight I'm like no 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 Ryan's always calm. That's him. He's always calm. And I'm like, I'm screaming here. And why are you not yelling back at me? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Because we're the crazy ones, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're both kind of trying to live out our dreams and just supporting each other and doing it as a team and not always getting it right. And I think that's kind of you just learn and grow. Let's talk about your pregnancy and when you first discovered that you were pregnant. That, that was feeling. really great. We had tried for so long, and then when we finally got to hear his heartbeat, it was just amazing. Um, and then shortly after that, I was sick for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Like it's not morning sickness; it's all day, just all day sickness. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. And then after that, everything was going great. So I finally felt better around probably 16 weeks and, you know, we're doing life and I was posting all my baby photos. And then at 28 weeks, we went to Daytona and I was like, yeah, this is our year. And then Kyle got in a horrific car wreck at Daytona and he broke his right tib and fib and shattered his left foot. So that was by far, it was I always say I felt like Kyle had to put me together, you know, when we were trying and pick up those pieces. And then I felt like we were on the highest of highs, like we were pregnant. And then it all just came literally, not to use the word, but crashing down. And so then for 11 weeks, it was um, about him and healing and recovering. And the doctors told him he'd be lucky to race that season. And if he did, it would probably be late summer, early fall. And he said, um, no, I'm coming back for the all-star race because in our world, that's a non-points race. And that was in the beginning of May. And they were like, yeah, no, no you're not. Not yeah. so much. <laughs> right. And he did. Yeah. He went back racing May 16th and we had our son May 18th. Whoa. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. I, like, were you nervous? Like, I can't even imagine going through that, watching your husband suffer. And at the same time, you're supposed to be like carrying this baby that you had tried so hard for. Was it scary for you? It was just a really overwhelming and hard. I mean, from the second the wreck happened, so Kyle and I kind of have this, 
little thing between us that if he gets in a wreck, he instantly like comes on the radio and is like, I'm okay. You know, cause I'm out on the pit box, but you can't see the whole track from where I'm sitting. Um, and so we we're in Daytona and the wreck happened. His spotter came on the radio and he's like, Kyle, are you okay? Kyle, are you okay? And then the third time he was like, Kyle, are you okay? And I was like, this, this is not, this is not good. And so I, you know, ripped out my earphones and I went, running off the pit box to infield care because that's where they go and as I was on my way a cameraman stopped me and he said hey he got out of the car and I was like okay okay you wow. know I, I'm okay so we I w walked into infield care and there's the waiting room and that's where you have to stay and this nurse comes running out and she's like you need to go to the hospital and I was like no no he's out of the car and she's like take have somebody take you to the hospital right now and I mean people have died at that racetrack so mm -hmm. it, I knew it wasn't good and they had told me that the wall that he hit didn't have a safer barrier so a safer barrier basically absorbs part of the impact and it didn't have one so he basically went head-on into a wall at 100 miles an hour and I was like this can't be good so somebody took me over to the hospital I'm not even sure who at this point because like everybody was just piling into cars and you could hear the ambulance and so I get to the hospital and I'm in the waiting room and just panicked and I kept saying I, I need to see my husband and his wife I need to get back there and they kept telling me you can't you can't and the nurse was like well come back you know when you can come back there and all I kept thinking was if something's seriously wrong like I need to at least see him and you know like be next to him and so there's this little old man security guard and I feel so bad now but let me mind you I'm pregnant yeah, you're 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 pre you're yeah. pregnant. So like. it was this like locked sliding door, and somebody had come out, and so I like go take off running through it, and he's like, "Ma'am," and I was like, "I don't care. You can't stop me." <laughs> like I was like going through the ER. on the loose. Yeah, and so like I see everybody standing around, and so I like go back in there, and lo and behold, like the bone is sticking out of his shin, and his left foot is just like dangled Ooh. in an abnormal way and so then I figured out why now in retrospect I knew that they just didn't want me to see that but at least say he's okay or yeah. he's there give right. me an update he's mentally he's yeah like he's always out of his body so I like ran and you know the first thing Kyle said he was like is the baby okay and I was like well I think so like I'm not sure he's inside me but I hope so um are you okay you know how you feel and he's like I you know I don't think I'm gonna be able to race tomorrow and I was like Wow. Have you looked down yet? And he was yeah. like, no. I was like, don't. Probably let's not. not. Let's just not. And so then he was crying and I was crying and it was very emotional. And then I'm sure the hospital would hate me for saying this. But this, then he went right into surgery and it was now two in the morning and I hadn't felt my son kick in a long time. And so I started to get really worried. And so I told the ER doctor, so he takes me down to the labor and delivery unit. And they're like, well, she's not a patient. And he was like, give me one of those little little things <laughs> and so they take like the Doppler like little heart rate thing and we like went into like a back room and he was like just Stop. let me see and he goes okay I haven't done this since med school but like we'll, we'll find it and so I got to hear the heartbeat and that was really great and then we spent four nights there helicoptered medevaced on an airplane back to Charlotte had another surgery spent four days there so I was like sleeping in a chair <laughs> took him home my parents and his parents had turned the house into a hospital they had a full hospital bed in the living room they had taken our mattress and put it out there so I could sleep with them they built ramps like it was really cool wow so you had a this good is team. a crazy story yeah, it was crazy so then he you know 
Jaws recovery. May 16th, he went back for the non-points race. He finished seventh. May 18th, we had our son, which was remarkable. And he stood through the whole thing, which he hadn't stood for that long and that yeah, really that long period time. Of time. Um, and then from there, it just was crazy. So we went back racing. So Brexton, it was a home race. So Brexton came at six days old oh. to the motorhome. And then I had an obviously irrational feel fear of Kyle racing again. So at 10 days old, we all went as a family to the next racetrack. <laughs> and we just never stopped. And that year, Kyle went on to win um, five races in the championship. And he won it all. That's so unreal. It's yeah, amazing what happens when you feel motivated by yeah something really big it was so cool it was remarkable and I know Brexton obviously was too young but just to like have him so we have this picture and we're sitting on the track and we're holding Brexton in the trophy and it was just like wow like damn it we did it yeah, like this so year sucked <laughs> but we really did it it's so many wins it's yeah like it's coming amazing. out on top mm -hmm. oh. it was really cool I'm super impressed by him but I'm I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I'm really impressed by you oh, and your ability to remain calm and be there for him in that way. I think a lot of people would have fallen apart. And once again, you both have this like resilient nature behind you. We were pretty strong. I mean, it was really actually special for me to be able to kind of give back to him because I felt like who I was struggling with infertility is not the woman that he married. I was this... I mean, I'm very bubbly and outgoing, and I didn't want to go out with our friends. I didn't want to have to deal with people. I just kind of wanted to stay home. I was obviously either crying or upset a lot. And so I felt like being able to be there for him and, you know, help him recover. And I felt he deserved it after putting up with me for so much. So you talked a little bit on your blog about some of those feelings that you were feeling when the infertility was happening, feelings of shame and pain can you tell me a little bit more about that like where that came from I mean I think a lot of it was just in a, what women say is like I'm a woman I'm supposed to I'm made to have a child and when you can't you just feel less than that's how I felt and I never looked at it as you know it's not me it's just a body part that's misfunctioning and I think if I had looked at it like that you know it wouldn't have been as hard, but I took it so personal. And during the time was the big NASCAR baby boom. So everybody was pregnant. Mm. So then everybody oh was asking us. So you us, had to see bumps everywhere you went. Yes. And all, everybody meaning well, but hey, when are you having a baby? And it was, it's really a dark place. And that's why I wanted to talk about it because I did feel alone. And a lot of my friends didn't know how to approach me because I was unapproachable. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if they said something positive if they said something negative none of it was good because all I wanted was a kid so talking about it wasn't going to help um so I think that was one thing that I learned or try to help people with is not being so hard on yourself even though after what just happened this last time it all came back but seeking the help that you need like if it's a therapist if it's a friend if it's a online support community you know just to feel like somebody understands your emotions and your pain is what I felt like I didn't have at that time even though you had such a supportive husband which I know a lot of women don't but it's not the same it's when not the same right and then when you go through IVF too to just have a community of women who have to go through it all because there's just so many medicines and so much gross stuff like 
Ugh. And yeah. just to have people who understand that, yeah, you know, and can feel for you, like that, it, it's just a bond that unless you go through it, you can't figure it out. Right. No, you are, you're helping so many people, Thank though. You. you really are. And now you have Brexton, yes. who is almost four. Uh huh. Right? Yeah, in May. Yep. Unreal. And he is a mini Kyle. So <laughs> he's wild and fun and also like the sweetest little boy in the world. We're so happy for you about that. Thank you. And now I know you also have expressed wanting to have a second baby and are yes. in the process right now of all of that. I think from between the last two or three months, there's been a lot that has gone on. And we just wanted to kind of ask you, take us through kind of wanting that second child, but then going through this treatment again. Did you guys both make that decision together to do it? Yeah, so Kyle and I, um, from both of our siblings, I have a younger brother, he's an older brother, but we're all seven years apart. So we knew that that was a little bit too much of an age gap for us, but we always wanted to have enough time with Brexton where we didn't feel rushed, like he was going to be potty trained, we were going to figure out how to have a kid on the road. Um, and so right around in Brexton, a little before he turned three, we're like, okay, I think we like somewhat have this figured out because I will not lie. The first year we didn't sleep ever. And then two was really hard for us. Um, I love my son to pieces, but he, I think because he wanted to communicate and he couldn't, there mm. was just so many tantrums and he wouldn't go by people. So there was a lot of crying from all of us, yeah. but then it was weird. It's like when he turned three, like a whole new kid, he was outgoing and friendly like I'm not kidding at two he didn't even want to play with other kids that much after we somewhat figured out how to be parents uh, we're like okay I think we can do this again and this time since the bundle of joy fund was so big and I had already been an IVF advocate for a few years I was like you know what? I'm gonna put it all out there because I think this would be really helpful for women and couples if you're going through it to kind of feel like oh I have somebody in my corner and let's compare or if you're getting ready to do it it was kind of informational you mm -hmm. know and so when we got ready we knew we wanted a girl um because we obviously had a boy and we just day one started telling everybody like we're trying and I think one thing too is sometimes when people go through IVF it still has a little bit of a stigma so people like are hushed about it like very secretive yeah, like, right? oh, I'm going through IVF but don't tell anybody and I was like that like you know, and so this time I was shouting it from the rooftops. Like, I'm going through IVF, and yeah. I'm so excited. Why do you think it is so secretive? Like, people just don't want to jinx things, or it's just... I think it's a little bit of both. I do, and I do think deep down, too, it's... For me, at least, it was like, okay, you're, you're supposed to be able to do it this way. Like, all of your friends and your parents, mm. and when that doesn't happen, and you don't feel like you know that many other people going through it, it's like, well, I don't want to use the word embarrassing, but just different so I didn't want to talk about it I was you know not ashamed but just wasn't ready to tell people and didn't know how to start the conversation That's where I feel like over the last few years it's you know been completely different yeah and you're ta really talking about yeah it now. so we put it all out there from the shots to everything we um, embryo transfer day I wanted people to kind of see the rawness of it, the videos, um, the shots, everything. Brexton was a big part of it. Like he knew we were trying for his baby sister and he was very excited. Um, and then it all went really well. Like we did the embryo transfer. She took, um, we waited to find out. So we were supposed to find out the Friday before the big championship race, but Kyle's like, we have to wait till Monday. Just yeah yeah need, yeah which I totally understood. I get that I do yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a big I mean that was a big race for right. him and so 
Um, but he told the media, he was like, we're going to find out on Monday. And we were both just on cloud nine. Neither of us really assumed that anything was going to be any different. We had one very successful, healthy pregnancy. And so then on, we went, got a positive test. We did a cute little announcement video and Thanksgiving, we told the world that we were pregnant and it was so exciting. I had everything ready, you know? Um, and then one week after we posted, we had a miscarriage. Yeah. Wow. I watched that video. That I have not. And no, I got to tell you it, to be really like to share in vulnerability. I looked at you from the outside in. I was like, this girl is stunning. She's got, she's super smart. She's got it all together. I was like, okay, they had to go through IVF. Not knowing all the details of IVF. If you hadn't put all that stuff out there, I wouldn't have understood that. And then I got to the point where I finally watched that video several weeks ago. And watching that, I said, now that is a woman I wanna know. And I'm gonna tell you why. To me, our highest level of evolution as a human is to share in our experience so openly and vulnerably that life on this planet doesn't feel so isolating. We could not be happier to like, it was, it was beyond hard to watch, but we were like, she's amazing with what you are doing. And you said, you don't know where, where you're going to go next. And sorry, I've interrupted you, Bev, but what was your... That was it. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I was, I was just totally blown away by that and your ability to do that. And also the fact that you've talked about the emotions and, and all this stuff that you feel along the way, people don't have to sit there and go, I'm a crazy person. Right. My, if my husband hates me, he's going to leave me. I'm crazy. They can go, I'm not alone. This is normal. This is natural. I'm with this. I know somebody who's been through it. That was ex exactly the point of sharing our IVF journey when I filmed the miscarriage video, I was just sitting on the bathroom floor that night crying because at that point we were a threatened miscarriage. And so instinctively I felt by the amount of blood and clots and terrible stuff that had happened throughout the day that she was gone. Mm -hmm. But then when we went for the ultrasound that day also, they said, well, your cervix is still closed. And they said, so, you know, we see something in there she's smaller than what she should be at this point we're going to call it a threatened miscarriage and you're going to have to get blood work done and so at that point when I had filmed the video I was in a very weird place because then the results came back that our levels had gone up since the last time but my husband was like no it's gonna be fine like this is gonna be part of the story it's just a scare where i was like no she's gone like you i just know you instinctively no, she's gone and so i filmed that i honestly don't even know what i said i never watched it when i posted it. i kept it on silent because i just didn't want to see it again yeah um but it was hard it was hard because i think the first time in the back of my mind it was always there you know because it had been so hard but then the second time it never really, and I know this is naive, but it never crossed my mind that it would happen because we had already had a healthy pregnancy. And to me, I was like, I'm doing good work in the community. Yeah. Like, this is going to work. And people are going to be, you know, so excited to have this knowledge about shots and medicines. And it was, it was blindsiding, to say the very least. And what was really hard with a threatened miscarriage is then um, after my cervix opened it kind of happened again five days later right. so it was like reliving the whole thing but to make the matter even worse was Wednesday we had to fly out for Kyle's big championship banquet in Vegas 
and I was like, okay, what should we do? And him and I talked about it because it's like, okay, if you don't show up, people are going to either think that, like, we're, like, this is not something you just don't show up to. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, um, oh, my God. Like, you had just been through this hell right. week. So we're like, okay, what do we what do we do? Like, we don't want to take away from the champion or anything by causing a scene. Because, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't there with my husband, I've always been there. People be like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. What's going on? You know? Not great. You know, so that was, we were like, okay, does it make less of a scene? What do we do? And so literally as I was getting my makeup on, um, they called and they were like, okay, your second round of blood work came back and your numbers have completely dropped. Like, she's gone. And that was literally like 25 minutes before we had to be down on the red carpet. And it was just, him and I walked down there. We smiled. We said thank you to everybody who congratulated us because I was like, we're not, not going to lose it. We're not going to. This isn't our night. It wasn't like it wasn't our night. So we just walked and we smiled and we sat down and we smiled when appropriate and clapped when appropriate. And then just like it was the hardest thing. And then right after that, the next day, Kyle goes out to the sand dunes and we well, we all got to the sand dunes and it was so quiet. We're like the only people out there. And it was really nice because it was like four days to kind of just grieve. And there was not a soul around. your phone hardly works and you're in the middle of the sand so it was kind of like as a family we kind of got to it's a weird blessing after all this stuff you are such a pillar of strength to go through all of that and be on the red carpet I mean I I would want to hide I did but I didn't because I knew if I sat in that hotel room by myself I wouldn't like I couldn't do it so Kyle is like my anchor you know and I just basically I was like okay I need to be with you Mm -hmm. you know I need to be by your side yeah in the video you did mention at the very end you said I don't know where to go from here yeah it um it's been an interesting few months um obviously in the beginning there was a lot of again same as when we couldn't have a child more Mm self-blame what did I do why did this happen like we did genetic testing she was healthy she was you know one of our healthiest embryos they said I felt like I was in the best shape that I was I was eating cleaner I, I just felt like we were doing everything right there was a lot of that but I think um you know they told us we could try again right away and we definitely weren't ready but I think come the spring if not even for us Brexton really wants a sibling so god forbid something bad were to happen but I, you know I think I feel like we want to try again but this time is going to be drastically different and harder than the other ones because you sure. know it's it's a possibility now. I have one good friend who had multiple miscarriages without IVF. Same situation. It was the it was this constant thing of what did I do wrong? Yeah. And it it's just your instinct to start picking apart every piece of every step you took, every street you crossed, every yep. scent you passed. Like, and it's like you can't, you know, from the outside end. I'm like, don't do that. You <laughs> don't do that. And you to were yourself. perfect. I mean, better probably you said than before. Yeah. And it makes it harder, and it's just sometimes unexplainable, which is the hardest part. And then one thing that somebody told me, and it's so true, is I think miscarriage is extra hard for women because there's no closure. Mm. So there's no physical anything that you get to do, you know? And am I allowed to, like, say anything on here? Anything. (laughs) I've never even told anybody this yet, but... When I was 
bleeding so much. There was obviously a lot of clots and stuff. And so everyone, I was like, is that her in there? Like, I didn't know. And I would, like, save it, and I would wrap it up really nice. And then I was like, sure, I throw it away. Like, what I do, do I do? do? And I was just, like, sitting with these, like, tissue packets. And I'm like, I, I mean, I don't even know if it's her, and it sounds crazy. But, like, I think other women will understand. You're like, that's my child. I don't have anything symbolic or even yes like I can't even tell I don't know and so that's that was really hard um one piece of advice that somebody told me that had gone through a miscarriage on social media she said they planted a tree Mm. and um they plant they looked at ones that bloom like right around when their baby's birthday would have been so I think this spring like at least something something. yeah like a closure something or something to constantly go back to and it's a remembrance or yeah I like that as a symbol. So that's I think that's where a lot of women struggle. And I thought that out of I read a lot of good advice afterwards from, you know, people on social media. Um, but that was one that really stuck with me of like, okay, I could do something. And saying the prayer every day to help me understand that this was out of my control. The plan is bigger. Yeah. The path is bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sweet. You can't though. carry that weight forever, you know? My son, every day um, when we pray, he asks Jesus about, he, he called her Doinky. That was the name <laughs> they had for her. Uh, I don't know where it came from, but he talks to God and asks how baby Doinky's doing. So um, I think it's really sweet. That's but really, really sweet. It's definitely hard. Um, I feel like I'm better, obviously, than I was initially. Like the shock has worn off and I don't cry every single day, but a lot you know there will mm-hmm. be there will be good days and um other women who i think have miscarriages might understand if you have a good day at the end of the day you're like well, was i supposed to have a good day because now i feel kind of guilty about it um or you're having a good day and like the littlest tiniest thing just sets it off but it's time you know maybe mm-hmm. it, t- it takes maybe. time so yeah yeah well we're proud of you and Thank everything you. that you're doing to at least help other women and put yourself out there. I mean, it can't be easy every day doing it. And we know now you also, we want to kind of wrap things up about what you're doing. No, we cry (laughs) a lot. (laughs) This is it. Like, this is exactly what people need to hear. And you're, you're really doing some big, big work here by being Mm -hmm. like, and I think that it's only going, and I I mean, coming from someone who doesn't know anything, but I have to believe that this is going to be a huge part of your healing, watching the impact you can have on other people. And I, I heard something the other day, and this is hard and controversial, but I kind of believe it. It's the idea that treat everything almost like you chose it in the sense that even if it's something you have zero control over, it's a now what? Like it's a now what? How do I share? And you're going to connect people and change people's lives. And you already we're are. Trying. You yeah. are. You are. We're trying. You are. Our next big thing, aside from the Bottle of Joy Fund, is we're trying to help um, and see what we can do about infertility coverage because a lot of major companies don't have that. And, um, you know, it's so expensive. And even though we did have a miscarriage, I'm grateful that I even had the chance. And I know many couples don't even get that opportunity. So if anything, you know, it's fueled me. She will always be my push to keep doing more. Um, so that's that's kind of the next steps. It's very cool. We can't wait to watch what you guys yeah. continue to do together. We Thank really you. can't. And we're also going to be watching you on TV. Yes. <laughs> yes. Coming up soon. CMT Racing Wives. I think your tagline we were watching in a recap is 
You do not want to get on Samantha Bush's <laughs> bad side. Which I can't buy I, right yeah, now. Me either. This is I'm an like, angel woman. So <laughs> it was I'm like, in, what can you do to get on her bad side? It was in regards to the girl she was talking to. So another big, a little, well, not big, little, let me say this. Another project of mine is I would like to get a female driver at Kyle Busch Motorsports. And yes. so what it was in reference to was the other girl had been talking to who's my potential female driver. And like don't do it like she's kind of your boss like at the race shop like don't she had done a a few things that weren't in line with maybe what you should do at a sponsor event and so that's kind of where the line came from and yeah well we we get the editing we get we're like we were like what is this about but we understand that every little piece of reality television is yeah bite-sized and they just want to make of course but i mean i get it i love reality tv too so you know and at the end of the day i think that our show is a little bit different because it's cool. It's very interesting to see that there's a lot of us and we do travel and we support our husbands, but we all have our own goals and different things that we're doing. And everybody's story, even though we all travel the same circuit and you would think would be very similar, they're very different. So I think that that's kind of cool for the audiences. You know, they'll have somebody that they can connect with. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine you and I on a 38-week road trip. <laughs> Please. What we, it would be... I would get kicked out. Yeah, we would. We would. We'd be, they'd be like... Brittany and Bevan, please just go home. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> Not even like halfway through, like a quarter. Just go home. Did you did you enjoy this process of filming? I did. This was great. I mean, it was kind of like therapy, so it was yeah. really nice. <laughs> I'm sure. Here's my here's my real question though. This is just a girly question. When you get the call and they're like, "Hey, we're going to be doing this show," do you all of a sudden like pull out the works? Is it? diet hair I mean my sister and I call it going from arena league football to professional football (laughs) you know what I mean where you take all your things and you elevate it does Um, everybody do that one thing I would say I mean I work out a lot and I try to you know I get gray so like I have to color my hair already the one thing I added was I painted my nails like I got them done which usually I never have my nails done (laughs) and I got lash extensions because after three times of trying fake lashes like early morning call times I said no by the end of the day they're dangling oh my gosh no I'd have glue on my eye my eyes looked like I had pink (laughs) eye I was like I cannot do this so those are my two upgrades for the show (laughs) yes okay which my husband was like thank you for usually my nails well they're short now but usually they're unpainted they look like man hands and he was like look at you have nice feminine nails for once so <laughs> I would never know that about you yeah your yeah. nails look beautiful Thank right you. now Thank but that's you. okay yeah manny's gotta do it that's my big thing well we cannot thank you enough for doing all the work that you're doing and um, taking the time to come talk with us and changing so many lives and we are sending you all our best thank you yes and for being vulnerable thank you we love it well thank you guys i appreciate being on the show and hopefully we'll talk again hopefully (laughs) i'll have a bump next time you see me oh yes (laughs) i'm praying for it